Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCready, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCready. Today's episode, we continue to look at the beauty and the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. And as I challenge you with this question, do you know him crucified? Today, I focus in on the power and the beauty of God's goodness as he preached the gospel to the devil in Genesis 3 when he said, though man has rejected us, we are still coming for them. We are coming for our sons in the cross of Jesus Christ. So take a listen today, and I pray that the goodness of God will explode within your mind and in your heart and in your spirit, and that you will see Him in all of His goodness, and that you will begin to know Christ and Him crucified. All right? I hope this provokes you deeper in your own personal process. Hey everybody, this is Nancy McCready, and I'm so glad that we're together again today as we continue uh, this series of podcasts on Do You Know Him Crucified? As the whole uh, culture and aspects of the world are focused in on Easter season, whether you be religious or you are, uh, you know, a true born-again believer Everyone begins on some level to become aware uh, of the cross of Jesus Christ, thinking about uh, that, whether they agree with it or if they don't. Uh, But we want to, here on Tent Talk, we want to press in a little bit more into thinking about and focusing in on the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, the cross is not just two pieces of wood put together. There's no power in two pieces of wood that are nailed together. But what the cross represents is that it is the place of the unlimited and full totality of the obedience of the Son to the Father. This is what really slayed hell. This is what brought hell to its knees, is that there is finally a human son who would deny the father nothing. You know, if God had said to Jesus, now Jesus, if you would go and uh, sit in this chair, and uh, if you sit in this chair in just this way, I am going to save the world, then guess what? we'd all be wearing chairs around our neck and not crosses because what makes the cross powerful is it was the place of his full obedience to the Father. To do it as the Father had said for the purposes for which the Father sent him. So it's Jesus' obedience to the death of the cross. This is the power that you and I can live in. This is them, the divine them, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is them coming for their sons in the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. This is what the Father always wanted, many sons of glory. 
Then the son said, I will go, Father. I will do all that is necessary. I'll be born of a woman. I will keep the law uh, according to you. I will do it as you say. And we will see them returned and completely restored to us for the purposes for which we created them in the first place. You know, this is so powerful. Can I just, I'm just, you know, just being real today and saying, you know, as you know, I'm not on Tent Talk ever trying to do a dignified teaching, right? All right, this this is where I'm in awe again. As I'm, I'm sitting here right now in Wuch, Poland, uh, getting ready to head out on a train again today for another part of Poland, and I'm recording this podcast. I've just finished uh, another three-day uh, cross-encounter and watching God open people's hearts and opening their spiritual eyes to the power of the cross, that he has come for them just as he said that he would. And the cross, as we talked last time, you know, is first and foremost for the Father. Through the finished work of the Son, by the power of Holy Spirit, it is to realize for God what He has always wanted, which is sons. And to see them fully delivered, fully restored to uh, oneness with Him. That's how we were made to live. It was never God's idea that you would have to earn love uh, to win uh, acceptance by your performance Uh, that you would have to carry the weight and pressure of your own life. That kind of living, that independent living, that was Hale's idea. And when Adam and Eve chose that way, and they went to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then all hell broke loose. And what really happened there was that uh, man now was independent of God, fully separated from God. It's not just that man sinned and he misbehaved. It was that he was now separated from life himself. God is life. Christ is our life. You know, there was another tree in the garden called the tree of life. And that tree of life was the person of Christ himself, that if they had chosen to eat of him, then his life would have come into them in their spirit. They would have come alive to God and and be those who were in deep fellowship with him and were an extension of his authority and expression of his life. All right, these are all things I've shared previously on, on other Tent Talk podcasts, but This is so important that we understand because, you know, many of us have believed half a gospel, just, you know, Jesus died for my sins, and I guess it's going to be a meantime in the meantime. Rather than recognizing that from uh, the garden, God gave man a choice that he might freely choose for Christ to come into him, the hope of glory, Christ in you. But when man chose, no, I'd rather be God than be a son to God, then that's when all hell broke loose. But you know, one of the most powerful aspects of of looking at the cross is that you see the powerful goodness of God right there in Genesis 3, where Adam and Eve chose other than God. Again, now they chose themselves. 
because the lie they bought into was that if you eat of this tree, you can be God. And so that's what they decided to do. And in that, they separated themselves from God. Now, remember, what was God's heart? What was God's goal? Oneness with him. Total dependence upon him. An abiding lifestyle where we are one with him, remain in him, continue in him. We stay with him. We lean into him. We cling to him. We trust him and the power of his life and love then literally uh, animates us, if you will. It brings movement to us, and we are free from within to live. You know, we, we quote these scriptures sometimes. I'm not sure we all fully understand what they mean, but that we would live and, you know, have our movement and our being in him. Yes, that we were able to, uh, that we would be able to move freely with him for his purposes and live to the fullest, biggest life possible. But to hear, to hear it said today, it's as though living with God, of course, is such a small life. You know, you just can't do this and you can't do that. And, you know, you need to be free. And if you break away from God, then, of course, then you're totally free. So as you can see, the lie continues it, <laughs> no matter what form it comes in. But you see, life is God himself. I don't know how much bigger life we can get. Now, that's why it's sad that we as Christians, that we would possess this life. We would be born again by this life. We would be sharers in this life and still be living according to a list of things you can't do. Only, you know, thinking I can only do this and and I'm just, you know, living this small life. There is no small with God. Big is actually always inside of small, okay? Because if you take a seed, God created many things within a seed, okay? Is that, well, big is inside that seed because whatever comes out of that seed is bigger than the seed itself. So there is no way possible to think that, that we who live in a kingdom that is ever increasing, all right, that somehow that God is going to want to keep you small, he put himself inside of you. Uh, when you're born again, his life comes into you. And this was so that you could live uh, that big life in him, with him, for him. And so we have to be those who begin to get back to what God was always after so that we can see the horror of what we've settled for. We have settled for so little. We have believed so little. And so when we focus in on the cross, we realize that, that this is how God has restored us now to himself, that we would be able to live the life that we were always called to live, to be the person that we were always meant to be to him and in him. This is why one of the aspects of, of Cross Encounter that I love to emphasize is when we begin to see the goodness of God, because until the cross begins to work in our lives, we cannot see the goodness of our Father. Um, you know, in Genesis 3, once Adam and Eve had chosen uh, themselves over God, you know, God came talking with them. God came looking for them. He was um, flushing them out, if you will, into the open uh, and having a conversation with them. 
And so he says to Adam, you know, basically, what's happened? You know, Adam says, well, it's this woman that you gave me. So it sounds like he's blaming Eve, like it's the beginnings of a gender war, but it's not really. It is that Adam has now put himself at enmity with God. There is a hostility by the nature that we inherited. There is a hostility to God. So ultimately that statement, Adam is saying, God, you're to blame because you gave me this person. You put me in this situation. You are to blame. Now, I hope you'll read Genesis 3, because there in Genesis 3, you'll see that God doesn't scold Adam. He doesn't even argue with him. He doesn't really say anything. He just turns then to Eve, and he says to Eve, so basically, Eve, what is this that has happened? Eve says, well, it's the devil. You know, the devil made me do it, and she's passing the buck. All right, you see that God does not scold Eve. He does not shame her. Uh, he does not say really anything. But what he does do is our God turns to the enemy. He turns to the devil. And in the following verses, the goodness of God is displayed in such splendor that we cannot miss it, that God turns to the enemy and preaches the cross of Jesus Christ to the enemy. And if I could be so bold as to say that within God's words, when he says to the enemy, there is one who is coming. The seed through this woman will come. Her offspring will come. And you may nip his heel, but he will crush your head. Now, I want you to take note here that God preaches the gospel before he ever pronounces the curse that Adam and Eve have chosen. Oh my goodness, listen to this. God is so good that even though he has been rejected by Adam and Eve, they have decided we don't want to sit at your table. We don't want to be a son in your kingdom. We want to be our own gods. God declares to the enemy the cross of Jesus Christ, because it is the cross that has completely crushed the head and the authority of the enemy, which Adam and Eve had just handed to him by their decision to be uh, their own gods. That's what gave hell the legal right now to run people, to run this world system, okay, through the hearts of, old, of the old man, Okay, so here, here, this is what's happened. Does God flinch? Does God get another plan? No, plan A is still on. And if I could again say it this way, God is saying, we're coming for our sons. Our plan will not change. Listen to me, my friends. Hell and sin will never set the agenda for God. Plan A is still on. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady. And so here, as we are coming to know Christ and Him crucified, we see the goodness of the Father. He is coming for His sons in Christ. He is coming to redeem in Christ. He is coming. Now He says to the enemy, you will be able to nip His heel. It may appear as though you have won. 
But even in what appears as though it is your victory, devil, it is ours. And so right there, God is displaying his goodness, the beauty of his character as he preaches the gospel, as he releases the cross of Jesus Christ, all things set in motion. A few verses down in Genesis 3, it says that Adam and Eve are now covered in animal skins. Why? Because God has slaughtered animals to show that on the cross that Jesus' blood will be shed and it will be to deal with their sins. And so God is covering naked Adam and Eve, okay, because the glory has now departed from the external. It was on the outside of them. Remember, the plan was always they would eat of the tree of life and then Christ would be in them. The glory would be in them. They did not choose that. So the glory departed. Now they are naked and God himself covers them to show that Christ will come. There will be one who comes from the Godhead who will come and do everything necessary as a human that will come, son of man, okay, will come and he will do everything that is necessary to redeem, to buy back, to restore them to full sonship, not to remain, okay, as sinners, but to be those restored fully to sonship. So that's where we see the second Um, preaching and reference to the cross right there in Genesis 3. Then just a few more scriptures down in Genesis 3 at the very end, God is now looking uh, at the tree of life and he says, we're going to have to get them out of the garden. We're going to have to get Adam and Eve out of the garden. Now they are in a state of thinking that they are God, that they can fix their own problem that they in their own cleverness and their own independence will be able to handle things. And so God is saying, we have got to get them out of the garden because if they walk over now to the tree of life and they say, oh, wow, we made a mistake. Let us just walk over. We can fix our own problem. Let's just walk over here and take care of it. Do you understand how cataclysmic that would have been? It would have been all over. So God said, we must get them out, put flaming swords at the entrance, and listen to this, listen to the goodness of our Father. You know, so many people think God ran them out of the garden just to punish them. But we read here in Genesis 3, what he was really doing was protecting them from themselves. Okay? And he says, we must guard the way back to the tree of life. We must guard the way back to the tree of life. We cannot have them just going over there thinking they can fix it themselves now in their independent state. We must guard the way back. This is our God. This is our God. This is why I'm saying to you, do you know him crucified? Do you know what they have done to make certain that everything was accomplished perfectly, righteously, no loopholes in our salvation, none whatsoever, where the enemy could ever come back and be able to say, well, you know, this was left undone. There is nothing 
left undone. Because when the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, when they come for their sons, they do all things perfectly. They do all things well, and they do all things freely. Because they have always wanted you. The you that they made in Christ. And that can only happen. Only the real you can emerge and come forth when you eat of the tree of life. When you take Christ in so that you, you can become who you are to God. There is only one way. And his name is Jesus. He is the tree of life. He has always been the tree of life. And the cross today for us is the tree of life. And they guarded the way back to the tree of life. They did everything necessary. They took care of everything that separated us from them. Everything that would hinder deep maturing oneness, they took care of it. Everything. There is nothing left undone. And this is why we must know the power of the cross. This is why Jesus said, if any person would be my disciple, let him take up his cross. Let him take up the cross and then follow me. Because without the working of the cross, the power of the cross, I mean, opened up in its full throttle power inside of us, there is no way that we will be able to follow him in the way that they have meant for us to follow. Now that's what we're going to talk about on next week's podcast because that's going to be on Good Friday. And I want to talk about what his crucifixion actually accomplished. But today I just wanted to display their goodness. They are so good. I want us to live surrounded by the goodness of God. Psalm sixty-five, eleven. I want us to see him. I want us to know him. And when we see him, I want to provoke you to choose him and choose to know him crucified. That his goodness, that though man rejected him, that God in all of his goodness and all of his power and all of his perfection stayed focused and steady towards plan A. And he told the devil, I'm coming for my sons and I will send the son And he will come. Remember, this is why the cross has power. Not because it's two pieces of wood put together. It is because it is the place of the unlimited, full totality of the obedience of Jesus to the Father. The enemy could not get Jesus to step out of dependency upon the Father. Everywhere Adam failed, Jesus plowed through in glorious obedience so that there could be a sacrifice, so that there could be everything dealt with properly. And this gospel that is infecting the church today that says there is no need for a bloody cross, God is not angry, and it goes on and on. We must be those who see beyond that um, uh, seemingly such, you know, a good and, and wonderful gospel. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. 
You see, we were in an enemy state. We were hostile to God by nature, whether we were good or evil. Remember, the other tree was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The goodness of man cannot stand the life of Jesus Christ because the goodness of man thinks it can handle it on its own. We want to be those who do not stand in the goodness of man. We want to be those who are fully, fully taken with the goodness of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that we are crowned and surrounded by their goodness, that we say He has dealt with us and all of His ways have dealt with us bountifully. His ways are perfect. He has done it perfectly. The cross is 100% necessary. And that we would be those who would embrace the cross of Jesus Christ, the tree of life to us, that sons might come forth in the same purity, the same fiery loyalty to the Father, that sons would come forth and be ready to live in the earth as who they really are that the kingdom of God could break out in the hearts and lives of people because they see him, they hear him, and they choose him. So do you know him crucified? Do you know the mighty provision of your father to you? He has not left you to have to perform, deserve, earn, try to figure everything out. Life with them was always meant to be lived in deep dependency, abiding, remaining, continuing, no more running off to handle things on our own, but living in the full power of the cross, the full power of his life within us. All right, so I want you today, I want you to think on him. Read Genesis 3. See the cross being absolutely prophesied right there in Genesis 3 and knowing that God has guarded the way back to the tree of life and the cross is coming back into full prominence within his church and will be the power by which she absolutely drives back darkness so that God can keep the door of salvation open, so that God, through his sons, can continue to press forward, bringing his life and love to as many as possible. Let us not just invite people to an Easter service. Let us invite them to know and experience the goodness of God in its full display, in its full display in the cross of Jesus Christ, that we were made one with him in his death so that everything that separated us from him could be put to death and we could be raised in newness of life. So let me just throw in this thought as we close out, as we're getting ready to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. I want to encourage you to celebrate your resurrection on Easter Sunday and every day because of their goodness they included you in his death so that the new you could get up in him and you could live now in his resurrection life so this is far more than invite someone to church this is yes invite them to church 
but why not have a cup of coffee with them? Why not talk with them when they come to you with their problems? Why not be able to share Christ and him crucified in any way, you know, shape or form that, you know, through any opportunity that we're given and yes, invite them to church. Yes. But can you share from your own embracing of the cross of Jesus Christ? Can you share with another what that has meant for you to be brought back to him and to know him? So today, as we close out today's episode of Tent Talk, of talk under this big tent of God's presence, I pray right now as you listen to these words that they're full of spirit and life and that you will be invigorated, ignited to seek out for yourself and to know him crucified so that you might know him in his full, full resurrection glory and know yourself as being made one with him so that you can live the big life that he's called you to in him, with him. All right. So I pray that this has provoked you a little further down the road today in your own process of maturing and growing up in your oneness, in your deep intimacy with the father through the finished work of Jesus on the cross in the power of the person of Holy Spirit. All right. So until next time, do you know him crucified? I'll talk to you later. If you'd like information on how to book Nancy McCready for an event or speaking engagement, visit nancymccready.com.